We are continuing the series that we've started as we've worked our way through the Gospel of John and throughout this whole summer. And, but now, though, we are to this very specific section of the Gospel of John. And so we're starting just a new theme for the next four weeks. And, and this theme is the words are read. Because if you look in your Bible, if you have a red letter Bible, a red letter Bible means anytime that Jesus speaks, the words are printed in red ink. And if you look at these next four chapters, chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17, most of the words in these next four chapters are read. And we also notice, again, as, as we've even seen, even from last week, and last week was the Last Supper, right? We realize we've entered into the, the final week of Jesus' life. In fact, not just the final week, but the final hours of Jesus' life. And in fact, when we see these next four chapters, these, these red letter chapters in John 14, 15, 16, 17, these four chapters literally cover hours of Jesus' life. And yet we, we realize as, as his earthly life is winding down, that, that Jesus is in this moment, right? This, this time where he knows he has just a few moments left to, to get in the most important lesson the most important teachings. Again, if, if, the, if the gospel was a Hollywood movie, this is the part in the movie when the hero gets shot, right? And they lie on the ground for the 20-minute speech, right? And everybody gathers around and, and you're thinking like, wow, they were shot so many times. How can they talk so clearly? And they have so much to share and, and they get to talk to each person individually. And, and you kind of wonder like, how realistic is this? And, and it's, this is the climax of the movie, right? When, when the, the soft music starts playing in the background and, and everybody cries and, and this, the, the most important things happen, Right? And no matter how cheesy and unrealistic it is, it, it's when, you know, the most important words are shared between people in the movie. And, and, and again, if the gospel was a Hollywood movie, this is that scene. Right? And yet, these four chapters, as, as maybe cheesy and unrealistic as it seems, are, are seemingly the climax of the gospel. And we understand that we're, we're moving into the real climax, right? Which is his death and resurrection. But yet, th these are the moments, these are the teachings, these, these are the things that Jesus feels are so important that he has to teach clearly before he goes to the cross. Right? These are, are things that he knows we need to understand. Right? In these last moments of his life, this is Jesus' last ditch effort to make sure you get this stuff right. And we see here as we start in 14, okay, I, that I encourage you to open your Bible up to John 14, leave it open to John 14. We're going to do this a little bit different today because the truth is Jesus jumps all around throughout this text. Okay, he covers a lot of ground in this chapter. And so we're, you know, typically we kind of read the text and kind of unpack it and move on to the next section. We're not, I'm not really able to do that today because Jesus just bounces around all, all over the place in 14. Okay, so I, I encourage you to just to flip your Bible open, leave it open, because we're going to go back to it and jump around throughout the chapter to several different verses. But this morning I want to start at, at the end of the chapter, okay, with verses 30 and 31. Okay, where it says, I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. 
He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. So come, let's be going, as he tells his disciples. Let's, let's continue on, right, through, through these last hours of his life. And, but, but notice, though, what Jesus tells them. He says, I don't have much more time. Right? There, there are things that we need to, to, to get very clear before I go to the cross. Right? There, he says, I'm here. I'm about to accomplish the mission the Father has sent me on. And before that happens, get this right. Understand his teaching. Right? And, and as we look at 14, the, the first major topic that Jesus covers, the the, the most found, one of the most foundational things about our faith and our theology, right? The study of God, of what we understand about God, is, is the role of the Trinity. And Jesus covers many aspects of the Trinity in chapter 14. Now, this is a very important doctrine within the Christian faith. Because one of the main things that sets the Christian, biblical Christian faith apart from most other world religions is the fact that Christianity is a monotheistic belief. Mono meaning one, theistic being God, right? We believe in one God. Most other world religions are polytheistic. They believe in many gods. But yeah, as a part of that belief of one God is we have this doctrine of the Trinity, of that, that one God manifests himself in three different ways. Right? And we see his and experience his, his presence right, and his character through these different manifestations of this one God. And so Jesus covers the different roles of the Trinity here in chapter 14. He starts with the Father. Okay? And the role of the Father is that the, the Father has the real authority. The Father is the source of authority. That is where the, the authority of God comes from. Okay? We see in, in John 14, verse 2. I mean, Jesus starts right off. He says, there is more than enough room in my Father's home. And if this were not so... Would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? Again, Jesus is talking about heaven, right? He's, he's saying, I'm going to go, and, and he's telling his disciples, hey, I, there's some crazy stuff about to go down, right? I'm going to die, right? I'm going to rise again, I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm going to prepare this place for you in the Father's house. Again, whose house is it? It is the Father's house. Who is the head of the household? Who is the ultimate authority? Who is the final word? The Father. It's his house. Right, and Jesus says, I'm going there, prepare a place for you. And there's, there's plenty of room for you. We want you to come. But it is the Father's house. And then we see at the end of the chapter, in verse 28, we, we see Jesus kind of goes back to this in the Father's role. He says, remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. And if you really love me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. Again, where does the authority lie? Who has the final word? Who is the, the head? It is the Father. Right? That is, again, the, the authority character of God comes through the Father. 
So we see the Father's role. What is, what is Jesus' role in this intertwined relationship of these three manifestations of one God? So we see the Father is the real authority, and then Jesus reveals to us what the Father is like. Again, the Messiah had a very specific mission, right? He, he was sent here to earth to live us in this life, to die on a cross, to rise again on the third day. That was the mission of the Messiah. Right, but yet the, the, the core essence, right, of, of the way Jesus accomplished all of this was by sh- revealing to us as humans what God is really like. Remember, go back to John chapter 1, right? John 1, 1, that's where we started, is the word became flesh. Because Jesus is, is God manifested through human form. He's 100% God and 100% human. And everything that Jesus does, everything he teaches, every every interaction, every every miracle, everything reveals to us what the Father is really like. Because it's under the authority of the Father that Jesus accomplishes his mission. Jesus reveals to us the, the character of God. In verses 9 through 11, Jesus replied. He says, I have been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. And Jesus says, like, just see what I did. See, like, follow what I taught. Like, see that because what I did, what I taught, everything I showed you is to show you who the Father is. Again, the Father and I are one, right? He's saying we are together. Again, he's describing the the intertwining roles of the Trinity here. But Jesus came to earth to show us what God is really like. The Father is the real authority. Jesus then reveals to us what the Father is like. And and again, we we learn so much about the character of God through the person of Jesus. But everything we need to know about the Father is revealed through Jesus. Right? When, again, we, we see this, this role of the Messiah, and, and yet all of these major you know, lessons and, and, and visions and, and um, plans that God has are revealed through Jesus. In fact, even the end time plans, even how this world will end, the second coming of Jesus is revealed through him. Right? That's the Father's will. Again, think about, look at Revelation, the book of Revelation, that, that John, the same John that wrote the gospel, wrote Revelation, and he, he wrote down what he saw in a vision, and who shows up to John at the beginning of the vision? Jesus. Right? Even Revelation is given through Jesus. Jesus reveals to us what the Father is and what the Father is doing. And then we have the third piece of the Trinity. We have the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit is our advocate and our teacher. The Holy Spirit is our advocate and he is our teacher. Now, we've seen the Holy Spirit manifested, we see it manifested all through Scripture. We have, even in the Old Testament, the, the Holy Spirit comes upon different people. He, he, he enters and speaks through prophets, and, and again, we see the Holy Spirit at work, even in the Old Testament. But yet, Jesus comes, he accomplishes his mission as the Messiah, and then the next phase after his resurrection, right, is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on all believers, now, Jesus was teaching the disciples about this that was going to come. It was, it was coming. It was going to be happening in the future. And yet he, tells, he tells them in verses 16 and 17. He says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now, and later will be in you. Again, Jesus is is foreshadowing for the disciples. He says, no, it's good for you that I leave. What's going to happen in the coming hours and days is going to rock your world, but it's going to be tough. It's not going to make sense to you. You're going to have all kinds of questions and doubts, but it's better for you that this happens. Not only so that you can be saved, but after I I rise and and ascend to the Father, then the Holy Spirit will be poured out. Not just through prophets, but poured out to every believer. He will live in you. He will make his home in the heart of every believer. Again, in verse 26, Jesus tells us, he says, but... When the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. Not only is he our advocate, right, God's active presence in the world today, but he is also our teacher. He opens our eyes to the truth of who God is and the way the world really works. Again, Jesus right, was, was telling them what was going to happen At Pentecost, right, when the Holy Spirit gets poured out on every believer, that happens in Acts chapter 2. After Jesus has ascended to heaven, right, and the Holy Spirit is poured out and then lives in the heart of every believer. Right, and now the Holy Spirit, again, lives in the heart of every believer today. When we think about the role of the Holy Spirit, we got to remember that the Holy Spirit is the only part of the Trinity that is active on earth today. But the Holy Spirit is the only part of the Trinity that is active on earth today. When we experience God, when we feel his presence, when we hear his voice, when, when we, our eyes are open to the truth of the scriptures or, or to, to the important relationships or to what he needs us to do, that is all through the Holy Spirit. Because the only part of the Trinity that is active on earth today is the Holy Spirit, right? The Father is in heaven where he's always been as the ultimate authority, right? Jesus ascended to heaven after his resurrection to sit at the right hand of the Father, and the Holy Spirit was poured out on earth and now lives in the heart of every believer. That's why we don't have the Holy of Holies anymore. That's why the curtain was torn, right, when Jesus died. I mean, there's uh, all that. We see this, this symbolism all through Scripture. 
But think about that, the fact that you have God's holy presence living within you as a follower of Jesus. All of that same power that Jesus used to do those miracles, right, is is at your fingertips. As a believer, as a follower, where the Holy Spirit is living within your heart. Now, this is also why okay, we do not have prophets today in the same way we had them in the Old Testament. Right? Jesus claimed he was the final prophet. Because right? what was the role of a prophet? The, prophet? the role of the prophets was the Holy Spirit would come upon them, that God would give them a message, and they would you know, then disseminate that message to everyone else. Okay, we do not need a prophet today because God can talk to you directly as a believer because his spirit lives in your heart. We don't have to go through a prophet. We don't need a prophet. In fact, Jesus said he was the final prophet, right? Because after Jesus died and rose again and the Holy Spirit's poured out, we don't need prophets anymore. God can speak to you, directly to you, through his Holy Spirit. Which is why those disciples, they, they, the, the next phase right, of God's plan was, was for apostles, not prophets. Now again, God can speak, right, in, in, through his Holy Spirit, and he does speak to his believers through his Holy Spirit every day, right? But again, the, the, there's the gift of prophecy, right, which is a spiritual gift that the scripture describes, but that's different than a, a prophet of the Old Testament. Now, again, there are, there are many world religions today that claim they have prophets. All right, that's another thing that sets Christianity, biblical Christianity, apart from other world religions. We don't need a prophet. To hear God's voice. Right? Remember, Jesus already established the fact, right, that, that we have these different voices in our world and, and we need to learn what voices to listen to and how, how to hear the voice of the Good Shepherd, right? And, and, and yet we, we see that and we know that, and yet we hear God's voice through the Holy Spirit. And we, we learn again through this teaching of Jesus in John 14 that the Trinity all works together as one God. Yeah, the Trinity all works together as one God. Again, as I already mentioned, right, Christianity is a monotheistic belief. There is one God and only one God, and we're not him. Right? Many other world religions believe in, in many gods, right? There's a polytheistic belief. Probably many gods, right? Christianity, biblical Christianity is monotheistic, one God. And it's not us. And as we see this, again, this core tenet and foundation of our faith, right, then we realize, though, that, again, uh, what did Jesus come to do? I mean, he, he came to accomplish the mission of the Messiah. Right? And that mission of the Messiah was to show us who God is, to reveal the Father, right? To, to, to accomplish his mission so we could re, be rekindled in our relationship with Jesus. You know, through Jesus, with the Father. Right? And, and that, that relationship can be healed to that, that ultimate authority. And, and again, we, we receive his presence through the Holy Spirit. And then we see in, in chapter 14... Okay, Jesus makes the, the most bold statement that he ever made his entire life. And that statement is made in John 14, 6. Where Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. 
Now, if you're the type of person that writes in your Bible, I encourage you to underline that verse. Hey, because that verse is at the core of everything we believe. And this verse is the most bold and clear statement that Jesus ever made in his earthly life. And it is the biggest claim that he ever made. Because there's no gray area in that statement. Right? When Jesus makes a statement, I am the way, the truth, and life, no one come to the Father except through me. Right, not only is he teaching us right, the, the, the intertwining works of the Trinity, and all he's telling us the mission of the Messiah, he's claiming that he is the Messiah, right, that he is the only way. There is no other way to be saved. Hey, now, this is, is a very bold claim, and it is a clear claim, but there's also no gray area in that statement. Hey, when Jesus makes the statement, he is either 100% true and accurate in that statement, or else he is a complete lunatic. There's no gray area. He is either 100% right or he is crazy and cannot back up that claim. There's no gray area there. Now, I'm standing here today because I believe that he's 100% accurate and true in that claim. And as we look at our world and our culture and our society, especially right now in 2020 in the midst of this pandemic and and the racial tensions and just all the things that are going on in our world today, right? We understand that there's no gray area, right? What well, everything that's going on in our world today has, has, has divided us more than ever before, right? It has eliminated the gray area of life, right? And the same is true within the, the Christian community. Right, in the midst of the shutdown and just everything that's going on, right? If, if you were coming to church just because it's what you did, right, you don't have to come anymore. Right, because there's a, you have an excuse. Right, and and the, the, the gray area of Christianity right, has been eliminated throughout the, the last months. And, and people have either moved closer to Christ and take their faith more seriously and, and realize where their faith really was, or they realize that they didn't really have much faith at all. And again, those that don't want to be in church are not in church anymore. Okay, but, but, and there have been people, and we've seen it within our church, and I've heard from other pastors, right, in our community and in our nation, in our world, to say that the, the gray area is gone. Right, and that, that, that people have either just walked away completely, right, or they've gotten a whole lot more serious about the faith. Right, because I don't know if you've noticed, but everything seems a whole lot more serious lately. Right, because we have seen the truth. I mean, this is what Jesus said he would be. He would be the truth. Right, and the things that really matter in our lives suddenly really matter. Right, and we've, I've seen that in our church, in our congregation. And I've seen it, like I said, in just in our culture, is that the gray area is gone. Right now, again, we've, we've seen people that we have not seen in months and months and that we might not ever see again. Okay, but the, the opposite is also true. I've also talked to people and seen people and, and interacted with people that have, that have stepped up their faith in the midst of these last months. Right, that, that have, have rededicated their life, right, or received Christ for the first time. And, and you know, that, that people have, are more on fire with their faith because they realize what's real. 
Now again, I don't see this as a bad thing for the church. Because I believe, right, that, that us that are serious about following Christ, right, that we're, everybody who's here is serious. Right? And yet not only that, right, it, that means that we have, again, the power of the, the almighty God through the Holy Spirit living in our hearts is at our fingertips. And we're going to take that seriously because we're taking our faith seriously. And our faith is truly in God, not in anything else. But the, 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 the other end of the spectrum is also, right, is it's also more clearly defined our mission. Right, because it is, it's difficult to reach somebody's heart if they're living in the middle. If they're living in the gray area, if they're just, they're just playing church or playing faith, or whatever, it's, it's hard for God to get a hold of them. And so not only is the church more serious and on fire with our faith, but also our mission is a lot more clearly defined because we know where everybody stands right now. Right? And this statement of Jesus right, is, is more true right now today in 2020 in the midst of everything that we're facing in our world and our culture. It's more true now than it's ever been. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the way to real life. Because no, there's no other way to get to the Father other than Jesus. And as, as we realize again the weight of this statement, again, Jesus dives a little deeper into how we now live this out. Right? Jesus explains how, how he will be the way and how the Trinity works together to transform our lives and our hearts. Okay, we're going to read verses 18 through 21. So if, hopefully your Bible's still flipped open to John 14. We're going to pick up at verse 18, where Jesus says, he says, No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. And when I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Because, and because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. And if we believe that Jesus was 100% accurate in that statement, how do we live that out? Well, we love Jesus. And how do we love Jesus? He tells us how to love him in these verses, doesn't he? Obey my commands. All right, live out your faith. Take it seriously. There is nothing more serious. There is no bigger deal. And again, what, what is the heart of God, right? Jesus reveals to us the characteristics of God. What is God's motivation for this, this grand story? It is love. Right, what does Jesus describe in these verses, right? He says, well, if you love me, then I love you, and the Father is in you because I'm in you, and the Holy Spirit is in your heart, and, and all this happens, and, and, and it's all about relationship. And our motivation, God's motivation is love. So what is, what's our end of the deal? Jesus is explaining, he's like, God has done his 
job. The, the Trinity has all worked in these different ways that, that, you know, God has held up his end of the deal. What's our end of the deal? Like Jesus describes it here in these verses. And a few other places, there's a couple of things that he says, now we have to do to live up to our end of the deal. Because love is a two-way street. Right? Relationship has to involve both sides to be a real relationship. So what's my end of the deal? God's already done his end of the deal through Jesus and through pouring out the Holy Spirit. What's my end of the deal? My end of, my end of the deal starts with belief. I must believe. Do I believe that Jesus was God? Do I believe that, that God loves me? Do I believe that I'm a sinner? Do I believe that I, I, the only way is through Jesus? Do I believe that, that, that there's truth revealed to him? Do I believe that this world is fallen and evil? Do, do, I, do I believe? In John 14, verse 29, Jesus says, I have told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. And I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life, even in the last few months, when you're like, what is going on? Right, but it all comes back. Do I believe Jesus? Do I believe what he said? Because none of that has changed. And no matter how chaotic my life feels or our world gets, it does not change the fact that Jesus is the way, the truth, starts with me believing. Again, what do I need to believe in? I need to believe in the Trinity. I need to believe in the one God in three roles. And to help our belief, we need to understand, again, those different roles and how they work together and the different God's plan and, and where we are right now in that plan and what I, what's my role in God's plan. Right? And it starts with belief. I believe that Jesus was 100% accurate in that claim. And then not just believe, but, but the, the next step of that journey is that I must live out that belief. Because I can say I believe something. Right? I mean, words can be big, but they can also be empty. Right? And, and Jesus' words, again, in 14.6, those were big words, but they were not empty words. Right? Jesus proved it through his death and through his resurrection. Right? And, and my words, again, I must live out and believe. I can't just say I believe. I need to live out that belief. I need to see that in my life. Because nothing will change until I put action behind my faith. I need to live out my belief. Jesus tells us in verses 12 through 15, he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it if you love me and obey my commands. We have to journey forward in our faith. 
right? We have to, just believing and joining the journey of faith and receiving Christ your Savior, right? That's where the journey starts. Right? And then we have to journey every day, right, as we live out that belief. Because again, he says, anybody who believes are going to do the same works that I've done. Right? Because we, as his followers, are supposed to pick up the baton from Jesus as he ascended to earth. Right? He passed the baton to us. And he says, now you will do the same works. In fact, you will do greater works than I did. I encourage you, underline, circle that phrase. Does that describe your life today? That you're doing greater works than Jesus did? Because that, that's our end of the deal. That's what we're supposed to do as the church. We are supposed to pick up the baton from Jesus, and we're supposed to do greater things than him, right? And how do we accomplish that, right? He says, do it with my help. Ask me, and I will pour out my presence, and I'll pour out right, my, my wisdom, and, and again, the authority and the power of the Father through the Holy Spirit in your life, and you will do even greater things. If we really believed this church, we would see miracles happening every day. Do we believe it? Are we going to live it out? I got to live out my belief through journeying towards him every day. Am I going to be more like Jesus tomorrow than I am today? Because the truth is you have all of the same power that Jesus used to accomplish all these miracles and all these teachings. You have the same power at your fingertips because the Holy Spirit lives in your heart as a believer in Jesus. And yet, why do we not have? Because we do not ask. Because we don't live out our faith in the same way, the way that Jesus is challenging us to do and commanding us to do. Right? Is our, will we not just believe, but will we live out my belief? Again, Jesus has done the Father's work while he's here on earth, and now it is our turn as the church to continue that work. Right? Jesus is a part of this earth to prepare a place for us and to come back to earth a second time. And during this in-between time, we are supposed to continue the same work that Jesus started. Which is connecting people to the Father. Again, the presence of the absent Jesus is supposed to be found through his people. Through us. Through the church. Not just Oregon Trail Church, right? But the Big C Church. So the glory of God was found first in the works of Jesus, and now it is supposed to be found in the works of his people until he comes back. Again, that's why we say, even when we pray, that's why we say in Jesus' name, right? We're coming through him. Right? That's how we access God's power. And even greater works. Does that describe your life? Because it should. And yet, we sit back and we, we worry, and we doubt, and we're scared, and, and we're not sure. And, which leads, though, to the, to the final thing that Jesus tells us here in 14 that we must do. Right? It's already the deal. First we believe, and then we live out our belief. And then the last thing we must do is we must trust in God. 
He's already established in the gospel, right? Like, we have all these voices. We have the enemy. We have, you know, the, the voice of the good shepherd. We have all, all this, these things. We had to learn to decipher and learn to hear God's voice and only follow his voice and, and carry out his work. But, but in order to accomplish that, we must trust 100% in God. Okay? In fact, this chapter starts and ends with this command. Hey, look, starting in John 14, verse 1, okay, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. And then verse 27, the end of the chapter, he says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Those verses, the, the bookends of chapter 14 should just give you a, a proverbial deep breath in your soul. I don't have to be afraid. I just have to trust. I trust in a God that's bigger than a pandemic, that's bigger than anything in this world that I face, right? I just trust. Jesus bookends this chapter with don't be afraid verses. Right? Because he knew how big of a deal that was. Because the truth is that trust and fear are opposites. Right? Those are our opposing sides to the same coin. Because if I trust, right, then just as Jesus says, then I will experience the love of God. And as scripture tells us, that perfect love casts out all fear. They cannot coexist. The opposite ends of the same spectrum. And I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know where you're out in your faith today. But Jesus' departure from this world was an incredibly traumatic thing for the disciples. Right, and Jesus knew that, and he said these things, these last few chapters, these first moments of his life, right, was he was preparing them for that trauma. As he says, but you're going to come out the other side way better. Because that, his departure had to happen to start this chain of events in, in this world to lead us to right now to where we are saved by grace. Right, and that Jesus backed up his words. They were big words, but they weren't empty words. He fulfilled every single one of them. And he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And do we believe him? Do we, do we trust him? Right, as we live out that belief every day, as we journey forward, as I become more like Christ tomorrow than I am today. Right, and I, I am his hands and feet in this world. Again, I don't know where you're at in your faith journey today. I don't know, maybe you've never received Christ as your Savior. Right, maybe that's the, the next step for you, is to, is to receive him, to invite him, to receive his grace and his forgiveness and mercy, and invite him into your life and confess your sin, right, to join that journey of faith. Maybe you've, maybe you've done that before, but, but you're saying, man, I, I got to rededicate, I got to step up, I got to trust more. Right, I need to live out my faith more. I need, I, I need to... to Access God's power. I need to just ask God. 
Maybe you're just celebrating and worshiping God because that's exactly what you're doing every day. Right? I don't know where you are at in your faith, but, but I hope right, that you will believe this morning that Jesus is the only way to live a life you're created to. And believe that Jesus has done his part. He already accomplished his part. Are you going to do your part? As we look at our final thought here today, right? Jesus is the only way to live a life you're created to. And he's already done his part. Are you going to do your part? I don't know what the next step of your faith journey is, but I hope you will take it. Right? If you need to pray, receive Christ your Savior today for the first time, then you can do that wherever you are, with your, right here with us, whether you're watching online. Right? You, you can just pray and accept Christ as your Savior. Right? Or maybe you need to just rededicate yourself and just confess, Lord, I've been falling short of what you want me to do. I haven't represented you well. Right? Maybe it's just praising him for the fact that you're walking with him every day. I just hope that you will commit to take the next step in your faith. Right, that you will claim his power in your life. Right, and you'll represent him well on this earth. God, that is our prayer today. God, that is our claim today, God, that you would go with us, you would go before us, you would go behind us. God, that we will experience your presence in every step of our life. God, that we will feel your power in everything we face. God, that your will will be done as we represent you. Lord, in every conversation, in, in every task, and Lord, in, in everything that we do and say, God, your will be done. God, as we sing and as we pray, amen, Lord, that, that word literally means so be it. God, we are submitting and surrendering to you. And God, we thank you that you are the way, true, life. We thank you that we can come to the Father through you. God, that we live in your spirit every day. And I pray, God, as we go today, Lord, that we would be your hands and your feet in this world. God, that we would represent you well. God, that we would accomplish the mission given us to do as your church. Help us trust in you in every step. We acknowledge your presence. God, in your Holy Spirit in each of us, Lord, be with us as we go. Lord, as we journey forward in everything we do. We love you. We praise you. We say together, Amen.